civility is out the window and that is tearing the country apart far more than any kind of political things. Welcome to episode number 83 of Grumpy Old Bands for Monday, August 3rd, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I can prove the Chicago Tribune prints fake news. And from America's left coast on the front line of the great national mask debate, I'm Ryan Bemrose. There are a lot of mask debates. I mean, if you say it really fast, too, it sounds funny. But yeah, there's the mask debate going on. Whether the masks do anything whether they're helping anything, whether they're exacerbating the situation. I mean, I know you don't even believe that the virus is real. So to you, it doesn't matter. Well, I don't believe that the virus is is in my face right now. Well, you would hope not. You just have a cat there. Although cats, didn't you see? They're testing cats in some areas, too. Yeah, that was a great story. I mean, we don't have enough tests. Let's be let's be clear about this. We don't have enough covid tests for human consumption, but they're testing cats. I mean, that's where Dame Bemrose is right now is she's uh, she's got the cat at the vet where they're testing, but not for COVID. Oh, I thought she was swabbing the cat herself, and that could be dangerous. Well, that might be happening, too, but uh, not for medical reasons. No, not for medical reasons. That's just for fun. Cats are there for your amusement. It's not the other way around. Doesn't matter what the cats think, but uh, it's Monday. And uh, yes, does anybody else feel really Monday today? It does kind of feel very Monday today. There's no question about it. And it's because you look at what's going on in the world and you keep expecting it to get better. And I mean, there are people like us. I mean, I know a lot of podcasters make this joke, you know, I don't really leave the house anyway, so I haven't really noticed a difference. But for me, it's kind of true. You know, I don't leave the house a lot anyway. I'm not feeling like the walls are closing in or anything like that. You know, I can talk to you and you're in. I. Seattle, man. Uh, don't don't you say that. <laughs> well, nowhere near that shithole. You can okay, see I'm it. I'm near that shithole. I'm just not in it. If you get up on your roof and look, you could probably see Seattle. No, just trees. Well, that's because they haven't knocked all them down yet, but <laughs> they, they grow like weeds. Literally. Uh-huh. They do. They're all over and you use them to heat your house. I mean, I know that's crazy, but then that by burning those trees. You are killing the planet. You know that Greta is not happy with well, you. That, that is the idea. I mean, seriously, what what, what am I going to do with it when I'm done with it? I don't know. Leave, leave all those resources on the table. No. Yeah, they're there for us to use. If we don't use them, we're missing out. Exactly. And, and you know, I my philosophy on environmentalism is Earth first because we can strip mine all the other planets later. Right. Why aren't we doing that yet? Come on. There's got to be resources elsewhere. And we saw now with all this SpaceX stuff, you know, splashdown again. That was very I dream of genie seeing these photos. Yeah, I didn't see any video. I'm sure that exists, too. But of the capsule coming back to Earth with like the five big parachutes bringing it down. It's like that is very like 1960 ish kind of technology to me, having the having the capsule come back with the big parachutes. Well, in, in theory, that is, a, is, in fact, the technology they used to do the same thing in 1960. Yeah. I guess uh, if you I find mean, something that works. 
I mean, there there is a a school of thought that says that the 1960 space exploration was all fabricated in a back lot somewhere, and uh, I don't know. I'm I'm I wasn't there. You know, or I'm going to go out nick the rat on you and ask that question, which is, do you believe in alien life? Do you believe there's life out there? Okay, after 83 episodes, you should realize how much of a nihilist I am. I don't particularly <laughs> believe in anything. I'm just entertained by various theories. Yeah, yeah. So what you're saying is you don't believe that there is life on no. other planets? No, I don't even believe in you. You don't even believe life exists here on Earth? I'm, not, I, I'm skeptical. How about that? You're like, I'm in a computerized simulation. I can feel it. They switched from Windows 7 to Windows 10. And thus, this is what's going on in the world. 2020. Here's, here's the thing. Uh, I am a man of science in not not in the scientism religious category, but uh, I am skeptical about any information that I'm given. Uh, I don't have to act on that skepticism because in, you know, in most cases that would, that would, well, for one thing, that'd be too much work, but everything that I'm told, I'm like, well, what if this isn't true? You know, if somebody comes up to me as like, good morning, I'm like, yeah, but what if the morning isn't good? It's just things that go through my head. So the belief, belief is not a science. Belief is a religious term. It is a, term that in order to believe something you have to accept it without having any evidence of it and i i it's it's not something that i do very well i'm i'm not a particularly religious person uh that's not to say i reject religion because i'm skeptical of that too but when somebody you know i i actually find it kind of frustrating or you know when somebody's like do you believe i'm like well no because um, I mean, it's safest to say I'm skeptical. Well, it's so, funny that you're skeptical then of not believing. That's that's genius. <laughs> well, because because I have met far too many militant atheists who are like, I don't believe in God and neither do you. You're like, you don't I'm, tell me what not to do. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more of a militant agnostic. It's like, I don't know. And you don't either. <laughs> Nobody knows anything. So hedge your bets, which is why. We run multiple backup recordings on the show, and I did have to go to them for the last show, mainly because the whole concept of me playing that female voice, the the whole uh, liar bird uh, descript yeah. thing. Did, did we get pulled off of YouTube for that? No, but it turns out in our main recording, I did not have that channel set to record. So it was all just silence. And if the troll room well, would not have complained. And made me go turn it on for the oh, so troll you had room. To, you had to go edit it in. Yes, because I, I heard it on the recording, <laughs> and and I heard it in my headphones when you played it live. But it, the the number of people wearing my headphones during any given show is limited. Right. So less people hear it, and I'm like, why? Because I did the usual bit of processing that we do, and the last step is to look for any silences. Well, automatically look for any silences over a half a second and bring them down to a half second. So it shortens them to a half a second. And the show got like three minutes shorter. And that's rare because usually there's not a lot of silence, not a lot of long pauses because I bloviate a lot and you interrupt. So when I saw like two or three minutes come off, I'm like, something's wrong. <laughs> and then so I realized, what you're saying is, is that after more than a decade of podcasting, you're still new at this. Yes. You still have to make sure you're capturing all of the audio sources 
And when you have to turn that channel on in Adobe Audition, otherwise it will not record. I thought, I don't know why, that I had it on the same channel as the grumpy old Ben's theme would have would be playing on. But that wasn't the case. But that's yeah. OK. We were able to fix it because it we be had backup recordings. If, it would be such a shame if that theme weren't somehow not. You know, it is. We have become so recognizable by that theme. But I'm putting this out there. We have some great producers, some great experts, some great musicians out there. John Fletcher of Hog Story being one of those. If you feel like putting something together that you think is grumpy old Ben's themish, I'm open to listening and to changing. I mean, we don't have to keep the same theme for the whole run of the podcast. We can. Well, I wasn't. I wasn't specifically saying that we needed to replace the theme, just that it triggers me. But see, that was kind of the reason for the theme. It triggers you, small animals and uh, children, I believe. It's uh, it, it. Yeah. F- fun fact. If if you do a podcast and your uh, opening montage, whatever the sound effects are, uh, is, you know, five, ten decibels louder than the microphone, <laughs> which is really easy to do because so many people will do. Like so many people will will go ahead and level it by the peaks and the the peaks are a lot farther apart and there's a lot fewer tones in audio than there is in some giant music filled orchestral thing, which is just all peaks. So if you level all the peaks together, the amount of energy in the orchestral tone is way higher because there's so many sounds overlapping and you just fucking kill your audience and it. Like so many podcasts where I'm like, I'll just start the show, start the show. Oh my God, I'm deaf. And then you crank it really quickly, turn it down. And then the voice is just not there. Like, could you possibly have leveled this? We're the GG Allen of podcasting. Is that what's going on? I think so. I'm skeptical. You're skeptical of everything as am I. The more I deal with you and hear your theories of the world, the more I start looking out for things. And I can prove that the Chicago Tribune printed fake news on Friday. And this just shows you what kind of douchebags write for the Chicago Tribune. This guy's name is Paul Sullivan. He's yeah. one of these sports writers. Isn't this the guy who, who, uh, uh, oh, what, what's the term going around in the mainstream? He lashed out at a bunch of SJWs who were trying to go after his job. No, no. See, that was another guy. That was actually somebody good oh. writing for the Chicago Tribune. John Cass. Wait, you mean the Chicago Tribune has more than one person? Believe it or not. They're, it or they're not. doing better than most news outlets these days. They are still slightly larger than your average blog. Maybe they shouldn't be. Because this guy wrote like an article, something like the seven things you need to know with sports coming back. And number uh, seven. Yeah. Nothing. Right. Nothing would be a good answer to that because there's a whole lot of problems with the sports coming back, including Major League Baseball having a big COVID problem. But I, I don't even need the problems. I, I OK, I'm probably the wrong person to talk to about this story. I, I'm just going to shut up in a moment and let you give the story. But I, I'm going to preface this with I have not I, ha, I have given precisely zero fucks about anything to do with sports this year. Uh, I usually follow baseball a bit and I usually religiously watch NFL games, at least for my team who, uh, you know, when they're doing well, because I'm a fair weather fan only. But this year I have no interest in consuming any sports content of any kind. It, the Just mixing it with politics combined with 
being total pussies and going, I'm sorry, but you know, uh, being out on the field, uh, we're not social distancing enough, even though we're, we're 50 yards away from the nearest bleacher. Just it, it's not working for me. Well, you'll be happy that this, this isn't really a sports story. Although, you know, I could see where you would make that mistake because Paul Sullivan is a sports reporter baseball and also because you said it was a sports story well no i said he was a sports writer i didn't say it was a baseball story but in an article of seven things to know about sports number seven turns out it isn't really about sports did you hear the word sports in the headline though you you understand where i might okay but see that is why this is even more interesting because number seven has nothing really to do with sports which is okay. The the headline on number and seven that makes that makes it valid for a list of things you need to know about sports. I think so. Well, it just shows okay. what kind of a douchebag this is. And the the head the sub headline of these seven things you need to know. I mean, if you're since you're interested, let me scroll back up here and just let you know what the first six are. Number one, the White Sox need to take training wheels off of Luis Robert. Number two, Craig Kimbrell needs another look. Three, Corey Crawford needs to stand on his head. I don't know what that's all about. Three, Tariq Cohen needs to make a backflip catch during an actual game. Four, Major League Baseball needs to issue mandatory content warnings before all televised games. Five, the White Sox need to install an electric fence in left field. Six, the Miami Marlins need to disband for the season. And uh, and seven is Bedford Park residents need to re- revolt. And I mean, this is just okay. a it's a strange article. So first of all, that's 0 for 7 for things that I actually think I need to know about sports. <laughs> yes. And it's, he says, although, although I, I, I can get on board with, uh, what was it? Number four, I think I, I can get on board with MLB needs to come with a content warning. It should, you know, because like it's, it's yeah, all just warning. This game is boring as fuck. And these people are all virtue signalers. This was all just kind of how to be a crybaby, which is kind of interesting because this guy is the president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. So this isn't just, you know, an average low rent, although he writes like a low rent journalist. I don't know. With, the, with a name like the Baseball Writers Association of America, it sounds kind of low rent. <laughs> Maybe they need a they need a, they need an upgrade. But this is the paragraph that I took umbrage with. I'm not sure what the village of Bedford Park gets out of being a sponsor for the White Sox other than having viewers ask where is Bedford Park? And I know a lot of people are currently asking, where is Bedford Park? And you know, it, I was really resisting asking <laughs> that one. It's right by Midway Airport in Chicago. So right okay. by Midway Airport. And, and also uh, just watch as I completely and stealthily don't ask where Midway Airport is. I'm <laughs> guessing somewhere near Chicago. It's in Chicago, right? South side, baby. Its population <laughs> was 580, according to the 2010 census. About the, the same as Wrigleyville during airport? a Cubs game in normal times. Five, wait, 580 people live at the airport? No, the story in, is in Bedford Park. Oh. You're very, you're oh. easily confused. You need to take the, uh, take the cotton out of the ears that, you, or was it just the, the, the intro got you that much? You, you're like a concert, rock concert, you're ringing ears. You got tinnitus now. I'm pretty triggered right now. Yeah. So there's 580 people that live in Bedford Park. Now, it says the southwest suburban town has installed a billboard across from Wrigley Field trolling Cubs fans with a Sox logo. <laughs> See, now I figured okay, I like you, that you'd like this idea. It's like so now there's a billboard outside of Wrigley Field that has a White Sox logo and a URL for doing business in Bedford Park. 
That's okay. what it is. And he goes and, on to say, it's always and, fun. And this sports writer is not impressed with this. No, obviously, I'm guessing maybe his heart is with the Cubs. <laughs> and he's upset that there are White Sox logos right outside of Wrigley Field staring you in the face. Although no fans are going to Wrigley Field. I mean, I guess they still show up at the bars there to drink, even though you can't go in the ballpark. And that's maybe triggering this guy. But obviously, yeah, this obviously triggered him that there I'll are billboards. some more snowflake. Uh-huh. Billboards outside of Wrigley Field, trolling Cub fans with the Sox logo. He goes on to say, it's always fun to rile up the Cubs. But if you pay property taxes in Bedford Park and know this is where your hard-earned money is going, wouldn't you at least try and recall the mayor? So. What? What? what, what wait. The city put up a billboard? Normally, billboards are put up by private companies on private land and they can do whatever the fuck they want. It was the city of Bedford Park put up the billboard okay. in okay. right across from Wrigley Field. Okay. Now this changes things. You're wasting tax money on bullshit. I, I'm all for trolling, but seriously, uh, the, an even better use if I were living there, an even better use of my tax money would be to not fucking steal it from me. And in regardless of how awesome you're spending it. See, you and Paul Sullivan have the exact same problem is that you have no clue what, what the deal was. <laughs> and that is hilarious. Yeah, you're just showing I, your I, ignorance I, here. I, if I have no clue, if I'm ignorant here, it's because you're doing a shitty job telling me this story. Because you keep interrupting, you dick. <laughs> That's what I do. Yeah, but you're not doing it very well. You need to get better at this. The there was no journalism done here at all, because as he points out, there's 580 people that live in Bedford Park and there are a ton of businesses because, again, it's adjacent to Midway Airport. So there's a ton of hotels. There is, you know, a Walmart. There is, you know, a Sam Goody music. If those things are still around, it is 99% business and 580 people that live there. And I know a lot about Bedford Park because I know the mayor of Bedford Park and I've heard all of these stories. I did a website for Bedford Park a few years back, very familiar with how the city runs. And so I asked the mayor about this billboard and he said a couple of things. One, the billboards were free and they were thrown in by the company because they had put up other billboards around the city, you know, long term things. So this was just a, okay, we'll throw this so, in for you. Bedford so Park makes all their money by up. bringing businesses in to Bedford yeah. Park. Yeah. So they advertise so, to bring businesses in to Bedford Park. Okay. So you're running the state like a company. I mean, first of all, we're we're back to a, a company paid for this because that that's what happens when you, you know, you, you mean a city when you sell this. when you sell municipal real estate to a private company. That means the private company is paying for it. You mean I, a what do you what, what's your question? I do. I, I'm I'm just bristling that you think that I was somehow misinformed when you're the only person who's ever informed me about this. Because you were saying the same exact thing. But what's your what's your question here? I uh, uh, I why should I care? That's my question. Is 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 Bedford Park somewhere that that uh, I mean, you know what? Actually, uh, I'm I'm going to retract that because I do. I do stories about Seattle all the time and nobody should care about that shithole either. Um, I, you know what? Awesome. Great troll. Fantastic. I think, I think I, I approve. Um, the city is, is raising revenue by selling billboard space is the impression I get. 
No. <laughs> okay. Know. The billboards were outside of Wrigley Field, which is not Bedford Park. The city of Bedford where, where Park. Does, where does the Bedford Park shit come from? What the f- Bedford You're- Park took the, the billboards were promoting Bedford Park. You know, which, you'd make a terrible sports reporter. I don't know. Troll room was just fairly clear to everybody else listening to this right now. Exactly what the story was. The city of Bedford Park had a billboard outside Wrigley Field. This guy was pissed off. This sports writer said their tax money was going for it. The people paying their property taxes. They should recall the mayor. The guy didn't even call to check on the story. Didn't call to check what the cost of this billboard was. Doesn't even obviously understand the fact that property taxes in Bedford Park are next to nothing because they collect so much taxes from all the businesses in Bedford Park. It's a weird, weird city because it literally is like 98, 99% businesses and just 500, you know, again, population of 580. There's probably a hundred and a quarter or so residences in Bedford Park. See, Sir Spencer okay. said he's with me. So you're just not listening. You just don't understand what I'm saying. But so the Bedford well, Park, no, I, I, this, but, this so, writer was upset, obviously, that the village of Bedford Park would dare use any money to take out billboards to get more business into Bedford Park, even though, I mean, the funny thing is the village of Bedford Park has been doing stuff, advertising with the Sox and Cubs for years. They've been the, the when you the White Sox give out T-shirts like every T-shirt Thursday or whatever sponsored by the village of Bedford Park. So if this guy covers baseball, he knows that Bedford Park spends a lot of money advertising to bring businesses into their city. But yet he posts an article saying, if you're in Bedford Park, you should be thinking about recalling your mayor because they're wasting your tax money. And it's bullshit. He didn't even call to ask a single question about these billboards. This guy did no journalism whatsoever, and the Chicago Tribune printed it because why? The Tribune is bullshit. So, okay, then I think I get your point now. You are saying that the sports reporter for the Tribune is a shitty journalist. Yes. Okay, I got no argument with that, (laughs) and we can now move on to my next story about how water is wet, the earth is round, and the sky is gray. Yeah, but see, this was able to be, I mean, a lot of times this stuff's like, well, you know, he maybe looked into it here. He tried to get a comment (laughs) like in this case, did no journalism. Any shitty podcaster could have picked up the phone and went, let's see, I'll go to Village of Bedford Park. Oh, look, there's a phone number. Let me call up. Hey, those billboards. Are you using tax money from your citizens to pay for those? Oh, no. Okay, thank you for letting me do journalism. Okay, well, in in my defense, my knee jerk reaction about tax money is is not so much has nothing to do with the billboards and is not specific to Bedford park, which is a burg that I'd never even heard of before this conversation, but is that there is an organization of thugs out there, which are forcibly extracting and extorting money from local people and businesses. And then presuming to have a clue what those people want and spending, trying to spend it on that when everything would work a much more efficiently if you didn't, just didn't do that however well no 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 wait before let me, then let me before you go taxes. on let me just point something out here the village of bedford park every year has a picnic for their residents because one there's something to do they they need a lot of water for whatever reasons they, i still never could wrap my head around why they need so much water for some of these businesses in bedford park but to show you how bedford park runs They buy the water, of course, from the city of Chicago, 
And somehow an American Express card was involved in all this. So, of course, there's points in all this. For years, they would have a picnic for the members every year. And every household would get, they can choose, like a new laptop, (laughs) a new Dyson vacuum. They would not even take these bonuses, you know, like this percentage back you get from the credit card. They give that back to their citizens, which is to show you, I mean, this, the mayor of Bedford Uh, Park, one of the most honest guys I ever knew. He is when they did advertising for the Chicago Bears, they wanted to fly him somewhere with the team to go on like a road trip. He wouldn't go on the plane. He's like, that's I can't I can't take anything that the people aren't getting when the baseball teams gave him tickets because they were doing so much advertising for the Sox and Cubs. He raffled those off and gave them to the residents. He may be the one honest politician I've ever ran into. And this asshole, Paul Sullivan from the Chicago Tribune, writes this kind of crap. That's why I got pissed off. I get that. I got, I got, I got nothing. Um, I, it sounds like, uh, you know, this, you're, you're pretty well in, in bed with the lobbyists for this particular burg. I'm, I'm good with that. Alrighty then. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can give you a local story. Okay. Or, oh, I wasn't sure if you were there sitting here. You, you never leave silence like that. Hey, I need a little um, coffee, man. The voice, the voice, the golden oh, voice. I see it as, um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, I don't have, I don't have much. Uh, uh apparently, um, there, I, this was before the time of grumpy old Ben's, but, uh, uh, Seattle, finally passed the amazon tax that they were pushing a while ago uh they did it uh during a digital meeting where the public was not invited to comment they just what's a digital meeting zoom uh (laughs) skype uh people are too fucking afraid of their own shadows and some kind of invisible virus that doesn't exist during the summer (laughs) to even go to the city hall so the Seattle City Council, uh, who they they tried years ago, well, two or three years ago, to pass. Uh, they, it's called by many people the Amazon tax, but effectively, it's it's a head tax where you you know you owe the city five hundred dollars a year per employee, but in this particular case, it's only if you have more than like thirty thousand employees working in the city, which effectively means that the way that the thing is tailored it only affects amazon see those are great laws aren't they yeah yeah and they tried to pass this about two years ago three years ago i'm not sure and uh there was a bunch of blowback and a lot of people lots of public comments people saying no you're going to drive amazon out of town yada yada and uh, even amazon was like you know we're not really certain we need our headquarters to be in seattle well over the last three years amazon has poured so many millions possibly billions of dollars into putting up new office towers in the seattle area to the point where uh it's going to be very very difficult for amazon to leave the other reason why it's going to be difficult for amazon to leave is that as as we mentioned before jeff bezos is uh a kind of a crazed dimension b leftist who is really totally on board with a lot of the the well, uh, the, the one of the only leftist concepts that he doesn't completely embrace is the one where uh, 
governments should steal all of his money and redistribute right. it to the poor. He still but likes capitalism. That, yeah, he, for some reason he seems okay with capitalism, but everything else he you know he he believes that you know he he's the one who's the, turned half of the Amazon website into a big Black Lives Matter banner right. back in June, and they and, still yeah. turned on him. Isn't this great? Yeah, and 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 the you know the left being what what they do is they always turn on themselves. You know, they the moment that they can't find somebody an, an other to attack, they just other themselves. So, yeah, Bezos is the number one enemy of all of the the neo Marxists out there. Despite, frankly, you know he he is he's never met a Democrat candidate he didn't like. Uh, he he donated to uh, to Obama to Clinton to I mean, yeah. But has he been on the Lolita Express? I don't know. I wasn't there. Neither yeah. was most people telling the story. So that's okay. I, I'm skeptical. How about that? Yeah. As you should but anyways, be on that. Uh, the city of Seattle uh, a couple of years ago decided that they were going to, they were like, no, Amazon makes too much money and we're going to tax the crap out of them. And Amazon's like, well, maybe we'll just pick up and leave. So they abandoned it. And now that Amazon has put up a dozen new office towers in the South Lake Union neighborhood where they've got their headquarters, uh, it's going to be a lot more difficult. And so the Seattle City Council just decided, hey, we're just going to go ahead and pass this tax now. And I don't know what the exact number was Uh, a few years ago. It was going to be something on the order of of like a hundred dollars a year per employee. And when you have 30,000 employees, that stacks up. I mean, money in the city's coffers, if you can get it right. Well, my question would be, why isn't Bezos going to start spending a ton of money to oust all of these politicians and get politicians put in that will be friendly to his company? That is a great question. (laughs) You know, I mean, that would seem to be that that one actually, as far as questions go, that was pretty good. It would make sense, Uh, right? I, I, I don't have any idea. I mean. The the last political thing that I remember Bezos spending his money on was uh, gun control, where uh, he and Howard Schultz and um, I want to say Steve Ballmer uh, decided. Uh, anyways, I, I, I like four or five big millionaires and billionaires got together and bought and paid for Initiative sixteen thirty nine, which I have definitely ranted about on this show. But that's that's the one that says uh, Second Amendment. Yeah, whatever. We're we're going to ignore that and just ban. You know, the, the, it's the one, for example, that crim- if you get your gun stolen from you, if somebody breaks into your house, steals your gun and then goes and commits a crime with it, they're going to hold you liable. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, that was uh, bought and paid for by about four billionaires, including Bezos. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't really put a lot of faith in his politics, but what I am saying is that if he doesn't do as you just suggested and maybe like start some campaigns to oust these city council members, including the one who is apparently now starting to get noticed nationally, despite the fact that we've all known her as a fucking nut job (laughs) from the moment she was brought in is, uh, Kashama Sawant, who is a self-described communist. Uh, but she usually uses the term socialist just, you know, in common parlance when she is shouting down and, and screaming at people about how she is she is she and people like her are working to completely destroy your corrupt capitalism and bring in 
a new socialist utopia. This this isn't you know working behind the scenes. She has been publicly saying this for five years now, and um, yeah. So she she was the one who, uh, on the city council who or in the city council meeting where they passed this was the one who singled out Bezos as we are coming for you. We are going to tear down your capitalism. We are going to take all of your money away. She this this was this was in a city council meeting. And this is the this is the thing that's being spewed by so many of these people, and it's seemingly being accepted by a lot of people in the American citizenry. And I don't yeah. get it. I like I like 2019 so much better when it was only the occasional whack job like the Swant character who would say it publicly, and and most of the socialists would just you know say it under their breath because they knew that it was a terrible idea, or yeah. even if they didn't know that at least you know social pressures nowadays. This 2020 is messed up because all of the social pressures against completely insane ideas had the social pressures are gone and people are just like, we should remove all police. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds like a great idea. We'll just do that. I, what? Yeah. Logic is dead. Things that, that half a moment of, of logical thinking or, or critical thought would be like, no, actually that, that has lots of unintended consequences. Or, you know, in the case of some of these Marxist organizers, they're probably intended consequences. Like, like if you get rid of all the police, then the whole country goes into chaos and crime goes crazy and everybody it goes into poverty. And hey, we're one step closer to socialism, right? Yeah. It's your reminder to go read what the Weather Underground put out and understand a lot of it is what's going on today. And this is stuff, these are people playing a really long game because the stuff, was written and the weather underground was like bombing stuff in the 60s. So this has been going on now for 50 plus years playing the slow game and they're getting a foothold. I mean, in our lifetime, we remember the time where being called a communist was like, oh, that's you know, that would be the uh, you know, the, the removal yeah. from society. That was your it's like I said, where's Joe McCarthy when we actually need him? Yeah. You know, and it's something if you really want to change the system. Great, but do the do the work to have an actual debate and be honest about what you want and let the American people pick based upon the ideas, not out of the violence of you know mobs that are going around looting. And, you know, this is where people start getting really scared. And that's why the voting is going to be interesting, because you're either going to have people that are so scared they give in to the rioters and the looters and the violent people and just give them what they want. Cause you know what, if I, if we elect the socialists, then this will all stop, right? Cause you'll have what they want and then the violence will stop or you'll get the people that push back the other way and go, well, we're going for the law and order guy because Trump says he's going to well, smash some heads. And I don't know which it is yet. It's, it's hard to call right now. I don't think it is. I'm, I'm sticking by the prediction that I made 10 months ago. Uh, the, the law and order, the the people who believe in law and order are I'm, the people that you never hear about because they're not out being insane on Facebook and they're not, uh, you know, marching in the streets and they're not getting interviewed on mainstream media who want nothing more than to stir shit up are, uh, you know, people like uh, my brother who absolutely fucking hates when I post you know, I, I've got a, a channel on Discord where I'll I'll just post memes that I pull off no agenda social because they're fucking hilarious. And 
if if it's just funny, then he'll share them with his wife and and laugh and comment on them. But every once in a while, I post something that has a political message in it. Never hear a word because he doesn't want to hear a damn thing about politics. He wants nothing to do with politics. He doesn't want to be involved in politics. Uh, you know, nobody that he talks to other than his insane brother wants to hear about politics or understand. And those are the people that are, they're the ones that if you can get them to move, then they will sway everything because that is still by far the majority. It's, it's the, you know, the silent majority that they were talking about back when it was a political football. Uh, but it's not a football. It It is really, you know, the, the state still exists at the whim of the people allowing it to do so. And the vast majority of people don't want to think about the state or what the government is doing. They just want to get on with their lives. They want to feed their 2.3 kids. They want, you know, to go to work, come back, have sex with their wife and or husband or, you know, same sex partner. I don't judge and be done with it. Let me, the the moment that you make those people fear, then, you know, uh, first of all, a lot of them are going to be law and order. And I think that that positioning himself as the law and order candidate in an age of total lawlessness is probably the most powerful thing that that Trump has done. Now, he's going to have a pretty big uphill battle to get over the name Trump, which has been smeared for five years. He should change his name. But on the other side, you have, you know, the the people on the left are completely and 100 percent buying into the fear narrative. And when people are scared enough for long enough, it is not your nature. It's not human nature for people who are scared enough for long enough to decide to get up and act. Not immediately, not unless they see a path out. But I think that the majority of them have been so destroyed by the narrative of fear for their entire lives by everything that they talk about. And, you know, when I say mainstream media, by the way, uh, to uh, I, I, you probably don't know who you are because you're not listening. But to the person I was talking to the other day who said, oh, I don't listen to mainstream media. I just I just talk to my Facebook friends. Well, guess what? Facebook is the mainstream media. The hive mind bullshit that Facebook is feeding you tuned by their algo to share the same narrative, because trust me, the stories that you're being fed by Facebook just aren't just what people are saying. They are what people are saying. And then Facebook picks and chooses which ones to throw in your face. That's still the mainstream media. Yeah. And I tweeted out an article the other day. It wasn't even good enough to clip for the show, but it was a study that said people that rely on social media for news are much greater misinformed than people who don't. And I'm like, really? No kidding. Yeah, you don't say. You don't say no, that maybe. And, and you know, I eh, I think that depends <laughs> on what you mean by social media though because for one thing I rely on social media for news. My social media is the No Agenda Troll Room, is the the podcasts on the stream, is the podcast I listen to and is No Agenda Social. And all of those are forms of social media. I don't I don't go out and do my own journalism, which means I get my information from word of mouth, which generally comes in by social media. Granted, but, but you vet the people what? because you're only following us people in a very certain. I mean, when they say social media, sure, they include things like no agenda social, but they're including that with face bag and Twitter. And we know well, the percentage of face people bag, on Twitter and Insta is what people mean when they say social media most of the time. And I know this is an overgeneralization, but let me ask you, because I do think the world right now 
and especially here in the United States, you can split them into two people. There's one group like your brother, Tony, who wants to avoid politics at all costs and just go about living their life. And then you have the other part, which talks about nothing but politics 24 seven. They're the ones on Twitter that are arguing with people us? all the time. Maybe. Which is more dangerous overall? To the democracy, I would say, not to their mental health, to their mental health. The first one's way healthier than worrying about politics all the time. But which well, is well, worse? I've definitely I've definitely ranted about the I mean. Uh, I, I, I hate to, to use the term, but, you know, that came up in the last couple of weeks, which is or a couple months, which is the the silence is violence, which is an awful narrative uh, being told that, oh, well, you know, if you. If you don't say anything, then it means you're not saying anything, not that you're on a particular side. And so I'm really bothered by the implication of, oh, we're going to shame everybody who hasn't said anything, because not only doesn't that work, it turns them against you. And it's also very intellectually dishonest. But I'll tell you what, if you're not saying anything about politics, the one conclusion that can be drawn is that you're not saying anything about politics. And that in itself is poisonous to a political system. And it, it, it not not saying anything about politics means nothing more than uh, you are complicit with the status quo, whatever that happens to be. Uh, and, you know, it, for for an adult person who has decided the status quo of having police in this country is bad, then trying to shame people for being complicit with how dare you live in a society with police that I don't know, that's almost a compliment. But but whatever the case is, unless you are completely happy with everything to do with politics, you know, every, every time that I hear somebody say, oh, I don't want to talk about politics, but man, I really hate how they're taking my taxes out. Right. Well, then then you should be complaining about politics if you're really unhappy about that. You know, I, I don't want to complain about politics, but I can't believe they shut down my local restaurant. Well, in, in that case, you should be complaining about politics because you aren't happy with something that they did. And the. Putting out the, the the saying, you know, I don't want to think about politics and not doing anything means that you are perfectly OK with things like everybody around you loses their job because the you know, politics caused the governors of these states to put their knee on the neck of the economy and shut everything down. And if you're not OK with that, then maybe you need to break out of that little mold that you're in and start talking about politics because politics doesn't care whether politics doesn't care whether or not you're talking about it and the politicians benefit from people just going along with whatever they say the more people who just go along with them the more power they have now if you're perfectly happy if if you found the one honest politician and you are a happy resident of Bedford Park and you think your mayor is fantastic, then don't complain. But if you think, for example, that your governor is a fascist tyrant who is completely destroying our way of life. I do. Then then, then maybe just maybe you need to get out of that comfortable head in the sand mentality and start Start talking about politics. Well, and local politics is completely different. And you're absolutely right, because, you know, I live in a small little suburb here, but this is your own town, your own village out here outside of Chicago. And the mayor of Chicago can say whatever they want. That doesn't do anything to my little town. The 
governor of Illinois can say whatever he wants. But this is where local government becomes really important, because if your governor, like your buddy Inslee, if they come out with something and say, hey, we're going to do this. And the local mayor of your town says, well, no, we're not enforcing that. Then you have much more you know, to say on that yeah. local level. The, the governors can say whatever they want, but then the mayors can say whatever they want. I mean, the, the governors don't have to get the. Well, the governors don't have to listen to the president. We talked about last week. Yeah. When, when, when you have local officials saying, yeah, that's unconstitutional and unenforceable. And right. also we don't have the manpower. And so we're not going to enforce it. And then people are trying to recall them. Right. Well, that, I mean, this is this is the way this system works in the United States. A lot of the governors of the states disagree with the president. and They're like, well, we're not going to do what he wants. Well, just like that, the mayors in the cities that the governors oversee can do the same thing to the governors. The governors say, hey, I'm going to enforce masks and the cities. Go, no, no, we're not going to do that here. And the governors don't have a, a police force to go enforce masks in my city. They're relying upon the local police departments to enforce these orders and the police departments answer more to the mayor than to the governor. So it gets really confusing really fast. Yeah. And, and, oh, by the way, here is a, uh, a quick tip to all of the local mayors and governors who happen to be listening to grumpy old Ben's. Uh, it, this is going to blow your mind. If you disagree with Trump so much that the moment he says something, you feel compelled to do the opposite. He's still controlling you, dumbass. <laughs> you know, if, if you go out and ban hydroxychloroquine because Trump used the word in a press conference, guess what? You're still being controlled by that orange man. Congratulations, idiot. Yes. I mean, this is where Trump should just go out there and go, all the governors out there, you should run for reelection. I, I order you to run for reelection. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know that you know that at least some of them would be like, well, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> I will not do what he says. You know, he should use well, yeah. that more because it if, really if Trump goes out and says, like, you know, oh, there are fine governors on both sides <laughs> of the political aisle. <laughs> I tell you, they would. It might make their heads explode. It really will. I mean, it's uh, it's not a good situation and it's not. I mean, everybody want. there's a very short attention span that people seem to have because. George Bush, maybe slightly less, but was treated very much the same way as the Democrats are treating Trump. They treated Bush pretty much the same way. This is not anything new. This isn't because Orange Man is actually bad. This is just the way they're doing business as usual, which is whoever wins, if it's a Republican, well, he's an idiot. He's a fool. He's dangerous. He's a genius. I mean, they can't figure out which is which. And they did the same thing with Bush. They couldn't figure out if he was either a buffoon that somehow got elected, which is where they also started with Trump. And then it morphed into he's an evil genius. And it's like, well, which is it? You can't be both. But it's the same damn story. If you go back and look at the way this administration is being treated compared to Bush, there's a lot of similarities. I would argue that one of the only differences, because I'm I'm definitely with you, uh, you know, that that the things that they're saying and, and the sentiments about Bush, the sentiments about Trump, very similar. The thing that has gone completely out the window sometime in the last 12 years is civility. And yes. that that bothers me more than anything. The the idea that we could disagree with each other, even vehemently, that's as old as people. But the idea that, you know, that, that I, I, 
I definitely saw first coming from uh, the the left side, especially when you know Antifa was doing their punch a Nazi trial balloon, was the idea that oh well if if this person disagrees with my ideology, then I am no longer expected to be civil and respect for just humanity has gone completely out the window. Uh, you know, and you know, I, I first saw this on the left, but now I'm seeing idiots on the right do this as well, where they'll come out and they, they won't, you know, they'll just scream and not even be nice that, I mean, uh, attacking somebody's position all for it. I definitely support a vigorous political debate, attacking somebody personally, uh, you know, organizing an armed mob to go to somebody's house. Not cool. Uh, I civility is, is out the window and, and that is tearing the country apart far more than any kind of political things, which honestly, I think goes back to your weather underground because the, you know, as soon as we're uncivil to each other, then, then it's much easier to otherize people. It's much easier to be divisive. And as long as everybody in the country hates everybody else for one reason or another, it's, it's really easy in the chaos to, to bring about the kind of change that will make it worse for everyone. Well, yeah, it's the knee jerk reactions. It's the instant hatred. And I do believe that started out on the left, but there comes a time if you keep getting, you know, sucker punched by one side, you're going to start learning their tactics. And this is what's going on right now, which is the reason why in both sides are to blame. There's absolutely no doubt about it, but this, you know, I horrible people on both sides. Yeah, there are, there are horrible people on both sides because I cringed. When I saw on Twitter that for about a day plus that was trending, which is uh, Bill Clinton is a pedo. Now, I think a lot of things about Bill Clinton and I don't like a slime ball. But I mean, seriously, citation needed. Yes. You know, well, this is what this is coming from is that, well, you know, he was seen on Jeffrey Epstein's island. And look here, this 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 whatever that just released, whatever these documents that leaked, somebody said they saw him there with young girls and it's like well wait a minute this term okay young so or now old, every every father is a pedo every father of girls right like, right i For saw just, you in the supermarket with young girls well yeah they're my daughters but you know here we're you know i'm 50 years old now when i was 18 20 years old if i were to use the term hey there's a bunch of young girls over there it would have been like 12 years old because i was 20 18 somewhere around there but at 50 years old now uh, a 20 year old, 25 year old is probably a young girl to me now. So it's like, hey, look at those young girls over there. It's like and, and today's 25 year olds are acting like the 12 year olds of of back in the day. So. Very true. So it all works out, which is why this kind of language is very dangerous. And it doesn't it does not make I don't know why this is happening. And we've talked about language with Larry and words mean things. And we're watching things change before our eyes. And, you know, Bill Clinton, again, they're the left eating their own. Bill Clinton is a pedo. It's like, well, they're going And these two stories I was reading on the same day the other day. One was the English uh, woman, uh, which Virginia Guthrie, I think her name is, that says Prince Andrew and her had relations. And this all happened when she was 17. And you read the news about this. And it's like, well, he took advantage of this young girl. Oh, my God, how horrible. She was just a child that she didn't know what was going. And then 
the same news page, I'm reading the story of the Twitter hack. And it's about the horrible 17 year old being tried as an adult because he did this and he knew what he was doing. Well, which is it at 17, people? You're either a freaking kid who don't know what you're doing or you're an adult mastermind, but they can't seem to understand. They can't get their shit together there either. We can't come to a consensus. You know, I kind of understand the uh, just just to take devil's advocate, because I know it annoys you. During the rant. <laughs> and you want to do that um, more? Two different 17 year olds will will often have wildly different levels of maturity. I agree. I I mean, if from a legal standpoint, I totally get where you're coming from. It's necessary to set an age, but but number of years on this planet is actually not an not the best indicator of maturity level. Well, I agree, and that's exactly the point I was trying to make. The media coverage on both of these, it's like, but you can't, you know, you're telling us in these stories about these 17 year old girls. Well, of course they were. They were the victims here. It's like, well, I don't know. They were getting flown around. They were getting paid. They were being given extravagant gifts. Uh, we, we can't believe that maybe they knew what they were doing. I, I don't even know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, that's true. You know, but it's just that coverage there. And it's like, yeah, I don't I don't believe there should be any arbitrary age. I just find it interesting to see two stories coinciding and one. The 17 year old was obviously a victim and should would just was so horrible and then the other one was the mastermind behind this big hack and should go to jail forever and be treated like an adult so i just want consistency that's all shouldn't be that hard just a little consistency but what do you feel about this uh this whole tiktok thing because this is big news and what i don't understand is we've been warning about tiktok for a long time telling people I, I think it got political. I'll tell you that much. Oh, oh, yeah. I guess that maybe is the biggest change because I don't understand. I mean, I'm I'm all behind anybody. And we know this happened over in uh, India. No more TikTok. They don't want them running the Chinese apps. So I understand where Trump was coming from. It was hilarious seeing the millennials freaking out that TikTok might be going away. That I found to be hilarious because anybody, if you think that you're going to be able to make a living on the backs of one of these apps or one of these sites, whether it's YouTube or TikTok or Instagram, whatever it is, you're nuts. We've already learned the pattern. They will demonetize you in a heartbeat. You should never rely on any of these services for your income or for your livelihood or to even be any part of your life that you think is important but so i was behind trump where it's like we need to get rid of this tiktok thing where it start really confusing me was well or or, you know microsoft can buy it so it's like wait a minute if tiktok is so horrible that you know the information being collected here going to the possibly chinese government is so horrible what makes microsoft any better why do we want them to have this maybe we should have nobody should have this because they're american Duh, they're not Chinese. Are they? Are you sure Microsoft is American? Well, I don't know. The uh, the CEOs from India. Um, uh, no, no, nothing the- screams American like the CEO being from India. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, I don't don't put me in a position where I have to defend Microsoft. <laughs> it, it doesn't work well. See, you know what? You were trying to trigger me. Now I know what triggers you. <laughs> 
Tell us why Microsoft is a good, honest American company. Ryan Bemrose, go. Uh, they are based in the Seattle area and Seattle, uh, for at least another month or two is still in America. So, uh, <laughs> oh, is there a possibility that we're getting rid of what are we nuking Seattle or are we selling I, them to China or what's we, you know, we I like do- both of those, but it's looking like, you know, well, have, have you not heard that may, maybe this is a local thing, but they're talking about, uh, bringing back the Chaz, except this time making it like, you know, 30 or 40 city blocks. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't believe that would ever happen, but trying to do that would probably cause a nice little civil war there. Which would be fascinating if I weren't, you know, in the splash zone. Yeah. I, I need to get out of this place. The, there was a guy on Reddit. I know your favorite site, and this has been making the rounds here. Cause this is a guy before this even happened. It appears took a look and reverse engineered the TikTok app and what he wrote. And again, this is Reddit. So take everything with a grain of salt. You might want to do your own homework and all of that. But what he wrote about TikTok is, quote, it's a data collection service that is thinly veiled as a social network. If there's an API to get information on you, your contacts on your or your device, they're using it. Phone hardware, including CPU type. Number of cores, hardware ID, screen dimensions, DPI, memory usage, disk, disk space, et cetera. Disk space, completely different thing. Other apps you have installed. Well, I wouldn't even be seen, surprised if they're if they're collecting that, too. Yeah, well, they might be. They might be taking that measurement. Not I mean, sure. Especially depending on what type of videos you take. Right. That is true. They might be able to get a size out of that. Uh, it said they're also reporting on other apps you have installed. And he goes further saying, I've even seen some apps that I had deleted show up in their analytics payload, maybe using a cached value question mark. Everything network related on your phone, including your Internet uh, protocol address, your local IP router, Mac address, your Mac address, Wi-Fi access point name, whether or not you've rooted or jailbroken your device. Some variants of the app had GPS pinging enabled at the time, roughly once every 30 seconds. This is enabled by default. So if you have location tag uh, to post to IIRC, they set up a local proxy service for, quote, transcoding media, but that can be abused very easily as it has zero authentication. He says the scariest part of all of this is that much of the logging they're doing is remotely configurable. And unless you reverse engineer every single one of their native libraries, then have fun reading all of that assembly, assuming you can get past their customized fork of OLLVM and manually inspect every single obfuscated function. So, I mean, this doesn't sound just like a cute little app for sharing videos to me. I could be wrong. I'm skeptical uh, like it, you. I mean, they're. OK, so they are more transparently collecting your data than anyone else. Uh, I'm. I'm not sure what point I'm supposed to make here. Uh, what you just described. OK, TikTok has been caught doing it, but I assume that every app that I ever install is doing exactly what you just described. Well, I mean, here's one other thing that he posted uh, for what it's worth. I've also reversed engineered Instagram, Facebook, Reddit and Twitter apps. They don't collect anywhere near the same amount of data that TikTok does. And they sure as hell aren't outright trying to hide exactly what's being sent like TikTok is. It's like comparing a cup of water to the ocean, according to him, those apps in TikTok. It's like, wow, that's okay. Yeah, it's pretty big. Well, it, it, 
okay, let's be honest here. Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. I, I don't remember what you said. Uh, okay, those apps, the companies do not have to use technological means to collect all of your data because you're posting it, you idiots. Yeah. A lot of it is offered right. up. There's no question about it. I mean, not everybody. I, I know plenty. You know, I, I know plenty of people. It's, you know, when I'm like, oh, you use Facebook and they're like, well, I don't post anything anymore because they're taking all my data like that. That's <laughs> good. That's a start. Let's let's try to build on that now. <laughs> let's try to but, understand that all of this stuff has more data than most people understand. I mean, I still think. People are overall confused even by IP address and what that says about you and how that can be uh, collated across different websites. And uh, it really is. You are the data. And some people are like, just, hey, I'm not trying to hide anything. What do I care? But I mean, let's just assume for a moment we go down this road. it's, It's amazing just how much you have to hide when you decide that you have nothing to hide. Well, let's just assume that we go down the road, it seems we may be on in the United States and we become a socialist country within the next five or 10 years. Now, do you still feel like you got nothing to hide? Um, I I have something to hide now, <laughs> right? I know I'm just beating overall people. And you know, the thing is, I'm not, I, I, I don't consider myself a particularly unethical person citation needed, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm not in like, I don't have a deep, dark secret where you know about uh, I, you know and I'm, I'm i'm not even going to go down this anymore you don't know that i have any particular deep dark secrets but what i'm saying is i i am in a position where i i definitely would be able to make the nothing to hide argument i i i go out i you know i i pay taxes even when i grumble about them i uh you know i'm i'm i pick up litter on the street i'm not uh, okay Nobody's going to believe me if I say I'm not a bad person. <laughs> well, I know there were people who want time for a rebuttal and that would take a while. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have that kind of time on this show, but I, I would totally be able to make the, I have nothing to hide argument based on the fact that, uh, you know, at, at least, well, at least judging by 2019's norms, because 2020 is out the fucking window. Um, I, I conform to societal norms and, and I don't have, you know, I, 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 I might have the kind of thing in my past that would get me, you know, kicked off of a Supreme court nomination, but only, you know, the, the most controversial things about me is what I say, but what I say is becoming, especially nowadays with cancel culture is becoming enough to cause real problems for somebody and i guess i guess my point which is clearly not very well formed is that if you're making the nothing to hide argument um you need to reconcile that in your head with cancel culture and with the idea that everything that you have ever said in your life is now a valid reason to kick you out of a job, kick you out of your house, uh, remove you from the internet, remove you from society, uh, interfere with your ability to pay taxes and rent. All of these things are consequences of, of something that you might have said 10 years ago that by the standards of the time were completely innocuous. 
and knowing that that happens now, think about all of the things that you never had to hide even back then. And if, if you really stop to think about, wait, I've been spewing data about myself that I never thought was worth hiding left and right forever. And now people are coming back and digging up that data and deciding that it can be used to cancel me. It, if, if you get that thought in your head, if that occurs to you, then you are one step more Bemrose and you're starting <laughs> to understand why I hate the kind of surveillance that, that everybody just accepts day in and day out. Well, yeah, if you were just magically transported from your home there into all of a sudden, boom, you're living in China or you're living in, you know, Soviet era Russia. I think I'm, I'm, like, this is not difficult to imagine. I'm already near Seattle. <laughs> well, you're getting a little primer there, but, you know, I can guarantee a lot less people would be using the talking tubes. A lot less people would be using cell phones. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you, go, go ask anybody. I mean, if 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 you can find your way out of, of your Instagram to go talk to those horrible boomers, um, go find somebody who actually lived under a socialist regime and ask them, you know, what, what would your life be different compared to this? You know, wh- one of the first things that you're going to see is, well, we weren't putting any information about ourselves out there because that gets us noticed and getting noticed will get a, you know, means that we won't eat for a week or might get thrown in a gulag. Yes, that, that happened. Yeah, that happened. And the, the concept now with the social media sites, where who knows what word is going to be the new trigger word, but you saw people already with the N word. I mean, doing a search on Twitter, not what, very which hard. N word is that again? The uh, nagger. Okay. Didn't you see the South Park ne- episode? Uh, no, the, the new one is Negro. Is it? And that's turning it. Well, that's becoming a racist term now, you know? Yes. I talked about that on random thoughts and I thought that yeah, was, I knew I heard it on a podcast. I thought that was the most interesting that some of the older population found the term black to be more offensive than Negro to them, which is why maybe I didn't look on the census this year, but that's why it was African-American slash black slash Negro listed as the the census form. That was the the way it was described. You know, the it's like, wow, uh, nothing like being right on point. Can't we come up with one way to describe a uh, what you want? But I guess not. And it's interesting because different subsets of the group are like, we're going to disagree like people will. People are going to disagree. So trying to come up with what is offensive to somebody is impossible because different things are going to offend me that are going to offend you that are going to offend anybody listening to this show. Everybody has a different list of criteria. Becoming offended is a personal decision, and it's not something that I can make for you, and it's not something you can make for me. The, The choice to become offended is is one of the last bastions of individuality that that we as a society are still clinging to. Exactly. And when a new word comes along and you don't even remember that you said it 10 years ago on Twitter, but somebody else is going to do a search and they're going to find that. And like you said, then you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose your spouse. You're going to get divorced. You're going to become penniless. You're going to lose your house. It's everything. It's going to be horrible. And yeah, you're, you're going to be kicked to the curb and forced to move in with Adriana Lima. Oh, well, then let me start posting that now. Hold on a second. Let me get these things going. I'll get a bot. The bot can keep posting that stuff. If that is yeah, but, the. Uh, but she's going to make you pay utilities. Oh, yeah, I can do that. I think I could do that because long. I mean, you guys are going to have to back me up here. This podcasting, her utilities are probably pretty high. 
So we're going to need some more donations. That's all I'm saying. That wouldn't be bad. Um, the, there was another thing besides all the TikTok stuff going on. Uh, there was a, a story about the, the website meetup, which I thought was hilarious, mainly because it's not something that I would normally use, but it is brought up occasionally it's, on the no agenda show. Yeah. Is that meetup.com? Yes. Uh, that was, yeah, that was the one that the no agenda meetups were originally organized through. And then John and Adam complained so much that a couple of, of enterprising producers went and just built a brand new site from scratch. That's far superior. Yes. So they went like, you know what? We don't need this. We can do better. And it turns out they were absolutely right because the story on bleeping computer today, researchers analyzing the meetup platform for organizing free and paid group events discovered high severity vulnerabilities that allowed attackers to become co-organizers and thus steal funds. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You, you know what? I, I did not care one whit about this story until you said funds. It, are are they like, are they actually collecting money on that site? Cause yes. they, uh, and any Silicon Valley company needs to be wary of that. Like go, go look at what's happening to Patreon right now. Uh, uh, by the way, I have a little bit more information after the no agenda social or no agenda story yesterday, but go and look at what's happening to Patreon right now and realize what kind of crap you can get into. If you start taking money from one person and giving it to another as part of your platform. Yes. Well, the organizers uh, for organizers outside the U.S., the platform offered PayPal support to charge attendees for a paid event. Don't know if they were able to do that anything within the U.S., but the reality was, and this is because you dig JavaScript so much. Researchers found uh, researchers from Checkmarks describe a stored XSS cross site scripting vulnerability that allowed a regular group member to have the same permissions as an organizer. The privilege escalation possible simply by posting JavaScript code in the message in the discussion area. (laughs) Of course. A feature, of course, active by default in Meetup. So from what I understand with... This is the the kind of exploit we had to deal with when I was hacking PHPBB back in 2001. Yeah, so this let them then become escalated their privilege if you will and they could then access the paypal money that had been uh, part of the event so yeah i mean this is this is bad juju when you're taking money and incorporating these things i don't quite understand exactly how these two sites interacted each with well, each it, other it's an aspect of silicon valley culture that uh the most important selector for becoming a silicon valley startup has nothing to do with technical skill or chops and everything to do with can you come up with a novel and charismatic pitch to angel investors to be able to make money yes and and if if you've got the right pitch you you can become a silicon valley startup no coding knowledge required so yeah not surprised you too can be a script kitty. The second high severity flaw with a score of 8.1 out of 10 can be exploited in combination with the stored XSS to change a user's PayPal address in the meetup profile. So that's fun too. Okay. So basically I mean, I, don't use meetup. I've got a couple security flaw program uh, stories too. If you're interested, hit uh, me with a security flaw story. 
Well, one is is definitely one that has got a hell of a lot of attention lately, uh, but um, it, it has to do Zoom? with Apple. Oh, Apple, not Zoom. Okay. Um, yeah. The okay. So, um, starting with the iPhone 5s, Apple created a, a co-processor that they put in there. It's a, um, you know, they they on their their single die silicon chip. They have a, a separate processor that's hardware separated. Uh, called the Secure Enclave, and this is just an encryption coprocessor, uh, which is used for uh, mainly for uh, encrypting things on disk. It is uh, critically related to the fingerprint ID because you have to do a lot of processing on the fingerprint. But uh, what what it really is is it's a it's a key store. Um, it 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 stores encryption keys in a place that is not accessible from main memory, not accessible from the main CPU, which means it's isolated from apps, which frankly is a pretty good idea secure in terms of security. Uh, the uh, let's see from, from Apple's press release at the time said uh, each secure enclave is provisioned during fabrication with its own unique ID that is not accessible to other parts of the system and is not known to hardware based encryption key manager. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, it 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 was read with the Apple voice, so you know it's bullshit. But it's a pretty good idea to try. You know, if if assuming that you you trust the people who put the thing on there, it's a pretty good idea because it means that even rooting even rooting your iPhone means that you can't get at the things protected by this, which is. Uh, it it has a couple of nice effects. Uh, one of them is if somebody steals your phone, they can't throw a rootkit on there and then suddenly get access to everything that you've ever had, your communication, your passwords, etc. Uh, it also means that in general, um, law enforcement, for example, who sees a phone cannot just plug the phone into an emulator and go. Uh, although, interestingly, in 2017, the last uh, big exploit in the secure enclave coprocessor um, was the thing that allowed the FBI to un, uh, to hack that phone that was the big story in San Bernardino. Ah, jailbreak that baby. Yeah. Um, so there is uh, a new exploit, a new vulnerability in this. So we're told, but here's the part that, that raised my eyebrow. Um, this vulnerability was revealed at the MOSEC conference in Shanghai by security researchers from a team called Team Pangu. Um, now, I'm trying not to read too much into the fact that these are Chinese and Team Pangu has been seen before as as government funded, but um, they won't give any details on the vulnerability. That's interesting. Now, <clears throat> well, okay, so there's there's possible reasons why they might do that. One is uh, the uh, responsible disclosure idea that that's floats around in the security area, which is that you tell Apple or you tell the vendor and then give them time to fix before you reveal the, I mean, that that's a pretty reasonable thing. uh, And they might be doing that. Uh, They might be holding out for a bug bounty because that is in fact, how a lot of research teams get funded. Um, Or they might just be giving it to the Chinese government. Although honestly, the fact that I, I feel like if they were going to do that, they wouldn't have even told us that there was a vulnerability. They'd just use it. So, so I'm going to be charitable and assume that they're they're doing responsible disclosure and they have given the vulnerability to Apple. Uh, 
But what we do know is that uh, it is the vulnerability is in it's in software, but it's in software that is in the ROM between the secure enclave and main memory. Uh, what that means is since it's in the ROM, uh, it can't be patched with an update. Ooh. And uh, so if if you look for stories on this one, there's one thing that you will always find in the headline, which is the word unfixable because it can't be <laughs> fixed with an update. Uh, and also because uh, every news article or every news outlet out there now is has engaged the way of the clickbait. Um, but there are uh, uh, some good things about it. Uh, oh, the way the way that it's detected is, uh, by the way, the the way that you can find out whether or not this is available or is an option. At least so we're told everything is is based on this this panel at the security. Uh, is you detect it, you you find out if you're vulnerable through a rootkit, uh, a particular rootkit exploit. Um, the thing is that there the the particular exploit doesn't work on the newest version the uh, the iPhone 11 the A12 and A13 version of the chips which means that there's no way to know if the exploit affects them or not however if there's no way to know then that makes it incredibly difficult to exploit as well so probably good on the newest versions however since this was introduced in the iPhone S there's a hell of a lot of phones out there that have it uh the the secure enclave, which this this affects every version of secure enclave, was used in the iPhone 5s and later, iPad fifth gen and later, iPad Pro, iPad Mini two and later, uh, Mac with a T1 or T2 processor, uh, the fourth gen and later Apple TVs and all Apple watches and HomePods. They they've got this stuff out in a lot of stuff. Now here's the reason why after all of that and with all of the clickbait headlines about how there's an unfixable exploit. Um, you probably don't have to worry, probably, maybe it requires physical access in order to exploit. Oh, and that's always like in the last paragraph of any of these it is, stories. It too. is. And therefore I dropped it as the last line of my notes because it was the very end of the night of five Mac article. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, they're just kind of burying that, aren't they? Yeah. So it's like, well, everything's completely insecure, but somebody's going to have to get their hands on your device first. So, and, and so. Does this mean you don't have to worry? Well, no, people lose their phones all the time. Your phones are stolen all the time, sometimes by armed thugs and sometimes by armed thugs with badges. But um, you're probably not going to get completely owned by an app. Uh, Apple has uh, put out their press release saying, well, this is not does not affect the the current version of the iPhone 11. And therefore, if everybody would just throw away all the old iPhones and buy a brand new one, you're yes, fine. Please buy a new phone. Um, Apple needs your and, money. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. So um, honestly, not something that you should worry too much about, but all of the standard security hygiene concerns, like uh, don't put TikTok on your phone. Uh, don't don't run apps that are going to store, you know, w- watch out what information you store on this handheld device that is really easy to accidentally leave on a counter at the local Starbucks and then somebody will pick it up because if they do that, they can go off. And if it's an iPhone five or you know up to an iPhone nine or 10 or whatever, then they can go off and try to run this thing. And suddenly everything that you have stored on the phone is not yours anymore. Uh, 
is that a problem? Well, maybe not if it's just dick pics, uh, but maybe it is. I mean, if you're prude and don't want your dick pics out in the wild, I personally kind of do, but it, uh, if you know all of your passwords, maybe I, I don't know. It depends on what you're storing, but just be careful. Be aware that uh, if somebody gets a hold of your phone, there's a good chance that whatever's on it is not going to stay locked for very long. Well, yeah, Which is, we talk, with all the app stuff, that is the biggest problem right now is people. And this is always interesting to me because we're seeing stories on a weekly basis of all of the apps that were removed from one of the play stores because of it doing nefarious things. And it was all, you know, they go down a pretty similar thing because a lot of it is really low hanging fruit. You know, the uh, flashlight apps, those kind of things, you know, weather apps, those kind of things. And yeah. if you're installing fart apps that that use the Facebook API to gather your location every 30 seconds and send it out. Oh, what? yeah. Well, I mean, this is if you're installing apps from people you're not familiar with, there's a really good chance you're putting bad software on your machine. And that really is the issue with things like TikTok. It's not that, oh, you're going to post a video of you singing a Prince song. It's going to be. You know, hey, if your kid installs it on your phone because, oh, they just want to, you know, you want to let them just do a couple things on TikTok, but they install it on your phone so you could see what they're doing yeah. on TikTok. You know, it's all of your, all of the information from your device could be going to a third party. And that is what you have to worry about with any of these apps on the phones is that something could be installed that is going to end up taking your photos without your permission and sending it to a mothership or your texts or whatever is on your phone. And just to be clear, if if you you know if you're sitting, no nobody out there, anybody who's paying attention is not going to go out and you'll be like, oh, I would never install TikTok. Why would I do that? You know, well, okay, now you know that TikTok is a bad thing, and especially now that Trump is talking about TikTok, it's freaking poison in the media. <laughs> but it's not just TikTok. Six months ago, w- was there anybody who was like? Hey, this, you know, check out this new social media that's absolutely exploding and all of my friends are installing it. Who had any reason to even think that there might be a problem? It was just it was a really popular social media platform that everybody was installing. So why not? I'll install it, too. I mean, was there anybody out there other than me, of course, who would have been at all skeptical about that? I was. Okay, that's why I stopped following (laughs) Gary Vaynerchuk. It was his TikTok obsession that I said, I just cannot take anything you say seriously anymore. I really I guess, can't. I guess what I'm saying is, is before word that comes out and the stories start proliferating that, hey, this app is bad. You don't know that the app is bad. But if, if you're really careful about what you're installing and you you do your research and you pay attention when your phone pops up this thing like. You know, this thing would like access to be able to read and write to your DNA. Yes. And you're like, oh, yeah, permission. Sure. Why not? No, no. It, it Think about what the app is actually doing. If if it's a flashlight app, it doesn't need to be able to read and write your contacts. Right. And if unless it's a genealogy app, then you don't need to give it permission to read your DNA. Yeah. That whole thing with they need your contacts is like you Even not then, realize you what they're doing. They're taking your contacts so they can spam them. Yeah, or 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 worse, yeah. or uh, put them into a database. There, I, I didn't even record it because we've talked about it so much. But I read an article uh, yesterday about yet another uh, marketing database leak that had something like thirty million names in it that was 
it, it was it included name, phone number, address, email, uh, uh, physical address, uh, and and a whole lot of demographic information that looked like it came from uh you know from a Facebook API or some kind of of app list. So uh, obviously, some app out there was collecting information, got thirty million installs, and it was creating a marketing database based on this. And the database leaked. And yeah. I, I, I didn't put it in my notes, so I, I'm not going to be able to give you much details because I don't remember that much. But I was reading about this going, yeah, yeah, we've already talked about this. I don't need to. But it happens. It happens every week. It was a bunch of startups that I had really never heard of. There was an article on Bleeping Computer. I'll put it in the show, no- show notes. Uh, 386 million records leaking. Um, Shiny Hunters, which is a threat actor known for data breaches, began to leak the stolen databases of 18 different websites for free on a hacker form. So that's great, too. So they've already sold enough. And once they've sold enough and nobody else is buying, they release it for free, which is the uh, the, the anti-capitalist way, I suppose. But the companies involved were things like Appen.com, which I don't know what the hell that is, A-P-P-E-N.com, 5.8 million user records. Uh, chatbooks.com 15.8 million user records dave.com whatever that is havenly.com in the bob music.com for i was only 475,000 math valley names are getting really weird i know that really people are running out of really good names for these uh for these companies sentbird.com what is sentbird.com 5.8 million users I don't know, but fortunately, I don't need to because three months from now, they'll be out of business. Yes. I'm guessing swivel, SWVL dot com, four million records, uh, promo dot com, 22 million records. That's a lot. Oh, they got a good name. Yeah. Promo dot com Mathway, though. What is Mathway? That seems like something you would be into knowing your love for math, but these I don't love math. <laughs> I got a degree in math because I was good at it. Nobody loves math. You do. You love the math. But this is why. Signing up for anything is dangerous in today's society. Every website you sign up for and give personal information and believe that they're going to be able to keep that information safe, then uh, you're getting kind of crazy. Oh, the Scentbird disclosed the breach soon after it was talked about. It is a fragrance subscription service and uh, their database contained users email name. Your their hashed path password, the, their favorite birth, smells. Yeah, their birthday, their gender, whether they're influencers and other customer information. So these are the kind of um, you know breaches that start putting all of this information together. And if you start getting information culled from different sites and all put together, uh, they get a really good idea of who you are and how to uh, market to you. I, I love how how. I read an article on a database breach and I'm like, no, everybody's already heard about that. They've heard enough. And you read an article on a database breach and like, let's bring some stats because we're going back to the well. That's what that's what gets people all riled up on grumpy old bins. It is. Well, that's and why I I also your idea the, might be better. The the Zoom article I thought was fantastic, too. And the, the including the mayor from Bedford Park and a bunch of people that I know from uh, the White Sox. You know, that's where they all had season tickets near my parents. That's how I met a lot of these people. And for opening day, oh, we're doing a Zoom call. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. I'll, uh, I'll hook up with everybody in a different way because I don't want. <laughs> uh, how, any- about, 
anything to do with Zoom. No, thank you. How, how about no? Yes. I mean, I really on, on I, the topic of sending all of your information up to a database in China. Yeah. I mean, I was really going to reach and I thought that maybe would be kind of dickish because like the one woman, this was her, you know, she had the paid account for her business and all that. I was just going to reply with, uh, how about just go to meet.jit.se in uh, SI and, uh, you know, pick it, pick a name and not have to worry about installing software and doing anything else. Uh, but, you know, I just, yeah, here, I just here, let me send you a clean feed link. Yes. Let me, yeah, let me send everybody a link. This will be really nice. And we don't have to worry about people stealing your data or getting in on your calls. And I think they said this has been fixed now, but the Zoom system was offering only up to a six digit numeric password, which means a grand total of what, one million what, possibilities. Really? <laughs> uh-huh. And the, the greatest a raspberry pi can scan a million possibilities in like three seconds yes and that is the beauty the system also did not have a a system in place to keep from being flooded with the trial so it only took a matter of moments and even if you tried even if it took you all million tries zoom went oh that's one password guess no that's fine two three four no five thousand no ten twenty oh, a million okay that's cool no problem just, just yeah. keep guessing I, I bet they even parallelize their API so you can just send a million requests and then <laughs> wait for all of them to come back. That would be convenient. Just send every possibility. Like a real and, quick DDoS going on. Yeah. But it's like, okay, how is a company that you would think that is used, well, you know, is being used by multiple real businesses and real Fortune 500 companies. How can their security be so shitty? Again, it's because people are clueless. Well, and and in in people's defense, they don't want a clue. They don't want to be bothered by this sort of thing. Uh, but it, I, it is totally human nature to say somebody else should have to deal with that. But the problem is that going along with I want somebody else to deal with the problem is you have to trust that somebody else to do it. And right now, there's not a whole lot of trust to go around out on the Internet. No, that's true. And including here, you want a story about trust? I want to know what you thought. Think of this because you're the Microsoft, ex Microsoft guy. The fact that they're please, now. Please don't make me defend Microsoft on this show. They are now tagging uh, the program CC Cleaner from uh, what's it, Peersoft, as possibly a potentially unwanted application. So the. It's, is, this, is this Windows 10 or is this Windows Defender? Windows Defender. Okay. Is now showing that uh cc cleaner and i believe other software from the same company they said i can pull the article up here was being shown as well you know not malware but it's potentially unwanted what what is what does cc cleaner do it is a variety of things including a registry editor which we know microsoft is completely against but it will also find other reason yeah and Um, there you know there are there are some registry cleaners that do a good job. There are a lot of registry cleaners that are completely fucking useless, but mostly harmless. And there are some registry cleaners that just go in and stomp around and hack up stuff and break everything. And every time somebody goes and runs this, their system seems to work just fine until a month later when they want to do something or launch a program in the, or or, you know, and then something is horribly broken and everybody's like, oh, it's fucking Microsoft and the, the Windows is always so crashy and broken and 
and it's not windows that did it. It's that windows was working perfectly fine until you downloaded this piece of crap shareware registry cleaner from the internet, which went in and deleted half of the office hive and gee stuff stopped working. How, how could this possibly be? And at some point when you are a developer at Microsoft and I've absolutely been here, um, you sit there and you investigate enough of these problems where somebody went in with, uh, you know, with a hammer and pick or with some crappy written software and screwed up their own install. And now I'm wasting time debugging it. Yeah. I mean, I have to be fair in the past. I have found CC cleaner to be a viable program. If, uh, you know, occasionally things didn't get cleaned out when say putting a trial of an app on a program. I mean, I'm saying app, I'm starting to turn into a millennial, but you know, you had a trial of a program and then you actually tried to upgrade to it, but the trial thing wouldn't go away or vice versa. You know, occasionally have to run a decrapifier on the registry and i mean if i mean one i, I, I mean i i do this relatively often but for me it's reg edit but yes well if you're lazy and you know you could just have it do its thing and so far cc cleaner has never borked my machine which means the next time i use it if okay. i do it probably yeah, now, will now that you've tempted fate yes so uh we'll be looking for a story on that but you can tell I me mean, that's the nice thing and you can choose exactly just what you want so you can say look for you know if you have just uninstalled say the adobe suite and things aren't working which one of the problems i ran into is what it was using for the default program to pull something up and of course if you uninstalled something and it still was trying to open it with a program that didn't exist well i went into cc cleaner ran the registry problem little script whatever it is and then just did a search for adobe deleted everything mentioning adobe and boom that took care of the issue but so it has some uses i don't think it's a completely horrible software like some of them are but the issue i think came uh, back in 2017 was when you know what you just described by the way uh leads me in directly into a rant about installers and why i hate them and i prefer software that just comes in a zip file i can drop into a folder and run without it having to install anything Yes. But I think I'm going to table that rant for the moment Yeah, in a bucket. Well, no, I mean, you can't. I was just want to mention 2017 that Piriform, who is the company behind CC Cleaner, was purchased by Avast. And that's where things start going downhill. Yeah, well, that that uh, Avast suddenly you know, was pretty good you know, 10, 12 years ago. But somewhere along the line, they they got real malware. Yes. And that was, you know, again, this is because they were giving away free antivirus. I mean, they have a paid one as well, but they were really well known for the free antivirus. And everybody in the game, I believe at the time from, you know, the Patrick Norton's and the Leo Laporte's all down the line was like, well, if you can't afford to pay for one of the antivirus, Avast is great. Or AVG was the other one. Those two were the, you know, the free versions that everybody pointed to. And then they both seemingly went downhill. Yeah, funny that when you are don't have a good revenue model and and eventually start running out of money and then you have to turn to investors and you sell your company out and then the you know it gets bought out by some company that doesn't care about their users and congratulations you kind of have to watch out for that sort of the intriguing thing from a vast side of things was that they noticed Windows Defender is classifying the free version of CC Cleaner as potentially unwanted software but not the paid version. 
So that seems to be uh, <laughs> a, a little weird. I don't I don't quite understand that. And it's also flagging another piece of Piriform software, which is Recover, which is a, a file recovery utility. So, you know, Microsoft questionable. I mean, this is, again, is a case where Microsoft owns the playing field. So if they want to make things hard for another company, it's easy for them to do so. I, I mean, Microsoft questionable is an entire category of our show notes. So, yeah, well, it's rightfully I, so, because I don't think a lot of people ever stop to think about who controls the machines that we all use. And when it comes down yeah. to cell phones, tablets, laptops, desktops, it's Microsoft, Google and uh, Apple. That's it. I I actually have a little bit of information about the. uh the antitrust hearings uh, on that particular topic, but I want to, I want to give my, my response on defender first. And that is when, when all of the, the, the big tech podcasters out there were saying, Oh yeah, you need to go download AVG or you need to download a vast. You need to download Norton, by the way, whoever said that needs to be slapped. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, ever since windows seven, I've kind of been on the order of uh, if, if you're, not doing anything particularly scary with your machine and you just want to have an antivirus use windows defender it is good enough and i i've said that because for for one you know, it is good enough for most things if you're not doing anything crazy and most importantly and here's the huge benefit of it it's already installed and all you have to do is turn it on so you don't have to worry about downloading stuff which is not only complicated, but also, you know, when, when you download something new, there's always this slight risk that, that you're downloading malware with it. Yes. Or something that just won't work with your system. The last time yeah. I tried, uh, um, ESETS saw, so, uh, antivirus software, nod 32, which was, it was the most highly recommended piece of antivirus back when, in, when I was doing this, which is probably going back 10 to 12 years ago. The minute I installed it on my, the machine that I built, for whatever reason, it crashed it. I mean, I originally thought I had hardware issues because it was a machine I had literally just built and ended up doing it a couple of times and rebuilding it, reinstalling Windows. Then I'd put the antivirus ESET on there. Boom, it would crash. Finally rebuilt Windows and installed Bitdefender and the crashes magically stopped. And it was a great piece, a very highly touted piece of antivirus i believe it still is and for whatever reason with the hardware that i had built didn't like it so i for for non-technical people who who just want to use a computer and don't have any you especially basically if if you don't understand what an antivirus does and don't want to which is most users uh, my advice is sir bemrose what does an antivirus do okay admittedly the people who write right half the antivirus out there don't understand what it's supposed to be doing but it, it for most people yeah i my advice has always been defender is good enough just just use that it's fine you don't have to go out and get something else just to you know it just to wear an online condom yeah but even back in the day when i was recommending this i i was personally a little bit uncomfortable with the level of of nanny that that defender has done and what you just described of oh it's marking you know competing products or registry cleaners yeah that that that's pretty much par for the course it's what i expect 
the point where I, I really figured this out was uh, I was, oh, this is probably 10 years ago, trying to get uh, a game working. And this was a video game that my CD for the game had been stepped on oh. and would not read anymore. And you couldn't, it was out of print. You could not get it online, but I happened to have it installed on my hard drive. But it was in that age of games where the game will not launch unless the CD is in the drive, even if you, you, right. you know, there's a lot of them where they install Bad the hard DRM. drive for speed. But yeah, they, they would throw in some kind of CD check. And so um, I went out and I got a tool that would, you know, because people make people write these and, and it's really freaking sketchy to do it, but uh, people will write tools that will go in and modify the binary to remove things like the DRM and the check code and stuff like that. Uh, the, the reason it's sketchy is not because I have any particular love for DRM or think that that's somehow sacrosanct. It's because uh, this, the, the kind of stigma associated with cracking DRM means that they only tend to be found on shadier websites, which also happen to be where malware lurks a lot. So oh, yeah. downloading a virus with one of these tools is always a concern. Um, so the, the thing that I do when I download a tool like that, which I don't expect is, is I will load the stupid thing into a debugger and I will start analyzing all its DLL calls and function calls and trying to make sure that it's not, that, that the only thing it's doing is cracking open the XE and modifying and not, you know, sending like, like these things should never need to internet access. But anyway, I, I, I can go on. If you have to run crack tools, I can go on with some steps for how to do it legit or how to, how to do it safely. But honestly, most people don't need that. But anyway, um, that was a lot of words to say. I'm not actually a dirty pirate, at least not in this particular case. <laughs> I just had some software, which I had bought and paid for, and I had installed on my system and I wanted to use. So I go down, I buy, I, I, I download an OCD crack. I check it out myself because I, I do that. And then I try to run it and suddenly the file vanished. Like ah, what yes. the and the file vanished because Windows Defender quarantined it. Uh-huh. I'm like, what is going on? So I'm like digging through Windows Defender. And if, if anybody's ever tried to dig through the quarantine folder in Windows Defender, it's popping up a, an elevation dialogue and like, please enter your password for administrator mode. Every time you click on something, it's really not friendly software. Um, and I finally dig in and I see that it, it's like uh, it, win 32 cheat code or something like that. And I dig in and I go, and of course, Defender doesn't have any information on this. And I go to a bunch of online research and I finally find uh, a Microsoft.com site that describes it and says it was, you know, a, a crack kit was detected. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? And I finally found one place somewhere deep in the knowledge base where it said, uh, this software is known to modify executables to circumvent DRM. And therefore we've classified it as a threat. Yep. And suddenly I'm wait a threat to home. Yep. I downloaded it for my system. It's not threatening me. It's threatening the fucked up DRM laden business model of a company that's no longer selling the software. <laughs> so that was about the time when I realized that no, uh, Defender is not fully working for me and I need to be skeptical of its results. Yeah, that's par for the course. All antivirus, I think, does that. And every time that 
Well, wait, that would be the wrong thing to say. I I want antivirus to protect me from malware. I don't need it protecting some kind of aging business model based on the fact that copyright law shouldn't be more than five years. Well, and if somebody was going to, say, be cracking software illegally, it's really inconvenient that I have to shut down my antivirus all the time, all the way just to uh, just to run the little key makers. I mean, but not just inconvenient. It's really unsafe. I know. It is. And it's because of the fact that they're dinging things like like that's the part where if you're going to shut down your by the way, if you're if you have to shut down your antivirus for any reason, and I don't recommend you ever have a reason to do this, but unplug your Internet first. Yeah. Unplug the Internet and understand where the file came from. And if that is suspect at all, don't use it. But that's with any of these with any of the key makers, they will pull this off like this is a a horrible thing with the Trojan. And it's like, no, it's not. It's just simply a, a key cracker and they don't like yeah. it. Now, what, what Microsoft, what business do you have trying to enforce somebody else's ill-informed DRM scheme? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. And let people let the computers that well, freedom is going straight down the crapper. There's no question about it. One thing I will say to anybody who does install a third-party antivirus if you decide at some point that you want to either get rid of that antivirus and go back to just using windows defender or oh my you want God, you might as well throw the computer out <laughs> most of the time yes uh, but if you know what you're doing this happened to a computer where my wife works and she had installed Bitdefender on everything and the old antivirus whatever it was i think it might have been a vast was not completely uninstalled if you go to the company's website whether it be avast or avg or bitdefender whoever if you're using any of these antivirus products any decent antivirus company that seems like most of them do this now have an uninstaller script that doesn't come with the software when you install it they have software that will look for anything of their products making and delete it all. And that's what you need to do before you install a new antivirus. Never, never have the possibility of double dosing antivirus on top of antivirus. Oh, no, that's that's scary. That that's a great way to really corrupt some horrible stuff. Uh huh. Like system just stops opening yeah. some programs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I here, here's a here's a fun fact. Um, most antivirus programs, in order to be effective, have to hook in places in kernel mode. And this this was far more true in Windows 7 and Windows 8. It, it wasn't until 8.1 that, that Microsoft started actually adding hooks like API hooks where antivirus could could hook in legitimately. Uh, but before that, especially and, and some of them still do, they had to hook in unofficially in order to do their job, in order to be able to monitor everything in the kernel that needs to be monitored, which includes things like file opens and stuff like that. Um, what this means is that from the perspective of of a debugger or of of the system um there uh, uh, the kernel portion of any antivirus software is indistinguishable from a rootkit right and what that one of the interesting side effects and this this was there was sort of a gentleman's agreement between antivirus back in especially back in xp days um there there was sort of a gentleman's agreement between antivirus vendors where they would insert exceptions to not uninstall or to not quarantine each other's rootkits because their detectors would all find each other and 
half the time I, the detector would find its own root kit, but you know, obviously you put in a hard coded exception for that one. So every once in a while you'd end up getting some kind of war where one antivirus would uh, maliciously start uninstalling another one. <laughs> well, that and, is, I mean, they hell back in XP days, they did the same thing with browsers though. Oh, that's well, come on. People are, I like, there was somebody trying to sue Microsoft or something now saying that throwing the new Microsoft edge onto their Microsoft or onto their windows seven machine is nothing but malware. I was like, well, oh, when I saw the headline, I'm like, what? is the guy named <laughs> Emrose? Is it out of Seattle, the Seattle area? I definitely understand the, the sentiment there. I don't think that that's necessarily grounds for some kind of tort, but yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. It, it's when you're dealing with antivirus software, just know what you're doing. And I, you're absolutely right. I like Bitdefender, but the, the amount of coverage and not even just the coverage, just the heavy handedness of the software, which the nice thing is they do give you control on a granular level. So if you know what you're doing, you once you set it up, you can go in and set exclusions or anything that you want. But it is getting a little bit scary on everything that software is trying to do, including stuff which is annoying to podcasters like, oh, this program is trying to use your camera. I mean, I took me probably an hour or two when I had originally set up the um, OBS system, the broadcast, the software that you can do video broadcasting or recording. It wouldn't, the camera, my webcam would just not show. And I'm looking at everything. It looked like it should be. Realized that Bitdefender was blocking the camera from accessing, you know, that software from accessing the camera. And it's just like, I don't you know need that. In, in 99% of cases, that that might be, uh, I, 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 I salute a feature like that as yes. long as, as long as it's very obvious and transparent what you need to do if you need to turn it back on. Right. When, when something protects me from some malicious software turning on my sensors and, and recording me or, or looking at me like it'd be an impressive malicious software if it actually installed a camera on my machine and right. then started watching me. But uh, I, I mean, it, it might happen, but if something is trying to protect me from malicious software, turning on my sensors and recording me without my knowledge, then I definitely approve. But the moment that as the user, I want to use that thing, you'd better make it damned easy in order to enable it. Yes. Which means don't, don't hide who is disabling my devices. Make, make it real obvious devices. Now, you know, maybe you do something obnoxious, like a pop-up. It's like Bitdefender, you know, such and such program tried to use your camera, but was blocked by Bitdefender. Click here to enable. Yes. That would be great. That, that, that'd be awesome. Yes. That would make, that would make full sense because they do that. When your subscription's coming up, they figure out a way to put a big ad out on your screen, no matter what you're doing. But yeah, when something is blocking something, they might want that information more than uh, yeah. than your ad. It's like like whenever I start, whenever I connect to the show for for Grumpy Old Ben's, and and Chromium is saying like, you know, Clean Feed wants to use your microphone. Are you sure you want to allow this? I'm like, oh, you, you know, I normally no, and thank you for asking, but I. Uh, feel like the show would be better if I turned my microphone on. And somebody needs to tell John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda podcast to use that browser, Chromium, because they every show they try I, to connect on clean I, feed. Dis, despite. Well, OK, John is like, I tried three different browsers. What would you try? I.e. Firefox and Opera. <laughs> yes. 
Yes, those aren't the ones that work. The FAQ is very clear. Clean feed needs Chrome. And if you don't like Chrome, you better have something that damn well looks like Chrome to them. And and this one seems to be working. We get it despite you you complaining every every single time we have a technical issue. You're like, well, it's because you're using that screwed up Chromium browser. Well, no, it's because Chrome is a buggy piece of crap. And this one's based on that. you know, when, when you're like, you have to reboot and I'm like, why would I do that? Chrome isn't that buggy. Oh yeah. Chrome is everything's buggy and try Husker in the troll room. And if you're not in the troll room, when we do these shows live Monday and Friday at 11 a.m. Central at no you're missing out on all the fun. He wants to know what antivirus do we trust? And for me, it's Bitdefender. And for you, I, if I can speak for you, it's just windows defender. It's great. Well, I think that trust is a very, <laughs> difficult word to, I, I i think that that's a strong word to describe it uh it is in fact what i use though uh now now i, I again my system is so hacked together uh that that the only thing i particularly trust is is the bimrose antivirus which involves a whole lot of manual work but yeah um for for frontline antivirus i i just run windows defender and uh for the vast majority of people it's definitely what i recommend and if you start doing crazy things on your system like i'm doing um then expect some work and cold acid chimes in with he trusts the viruses themselves more than the antivirus and you know wait so cold acid is now apparently in the troll room admitting to trusting windows 10 yes trust the virus more than the antivirus last text story that sounds sounds like a q a q line trust the virus trust the virus and the last text story i've got was just uh the latest update another browser story latest update to firefox firefox 79 now has a new lockwise password export feature which i thought was nice because one of the reasons i've never used the password manager well because i use RoboForm, although I know you use LastPass and well, there's a bunch of other ones, but the ability is now in Firefox to export all of the passwords you have saved within the Firefox password management system, and you can export those in a way that can then be imported into things like LastPass and RoboForm and all that, which is a very nice thing. I can't believe it took them up to Firefox 79 to include that. I was going to say. It's a too little, too late. I you I I had a moment when I was storing my passwords in Firefox, and then somewhere along the line, I went, I can't use these anywhere else. Yes, and that's bad. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the besides the sticky note method is is perfectly fine for you know anybody who doesn't work in an office, I suppose. And I've been using Brave, so I use Firefox for only a few different websites that I go to, and there's different things set up. Um, and I noticed for the first time, I must have gotten the right Firefox update because I got a pop up in Firefox telling me and at least this gave me the option to turn the feature off. But the little pop up came up with, hey, Firefox is now sending your DNS to, you know, our own servers for to keep your data safe, you know, opt out yeah. here. And it's a story Fire- we talked about weeks ago that they were using uh, what's it, uh, Cloudflare or something. For the DNS, yep. no matter what you had your DNS set to. So I, I did have a, a, a second half of, uh, I, don't, I don't know if we want to get into this. We're running over time, but eh, screw it. You you guys just have to listen, deal with it. Um, 
You remember how I said uh, the with the Apple story, the uh, only way that you could have any problem at all with with losing all of the data on your device is if somebody gets a hold of it, like, say, law enforcement gets a hold of physical access to your device, then they can crack it open. And, right. You don't lose it. I mean, you're, you're probably juice, sending juicy. everything to the cloud, right? I'm, I'm not. But, but Apple people would. Some of them are. Um, but. I I wanted to follow that up with with an interesting story about law enforcement getting access to some physical access to somebody's device. Uh, in this case, it was a device which for a very long time, for as long as they were manufactured, were generally considered to be uh, among the highest in terms of of device security, a BlackBerry. Um, this particular story comes out of Australia. It came from the Sydney Morning Herald. And it has to do with a BlackBerry device that was seized five years ago. And the cops had it the whole time. And somewhere along the line uh, in in April, um, according to the law enforcement, new capabilities came out in April, which enabled them to unlock the device. In other words, somebody developed a new hack for a BlackBerry. Right. Once they got that, they unleashed a massive wave of arrests based on the information on the BlackBerry. So five years ago, somebody was arrested and their phone was seized. That phone has sat in in a cop shop somewhere for five years, and they suddenly learned how to crack it. They got the information off, and everybody who's been living high for five years after this was uh, apparently a money laundering and drug ring. I, I don't, I don't condone what these people did, and I'm sure they were scum who had it coming. But always keep your little... money clean. Always in COVID times, you have to keep your money clean. Yes, that that I that's what I use the dishwasher for. You must launder your money. I do. Um, <laughs> every time I leave change in the pocket of my jeans, that makes but, a lot but, of noise when it hits the dryer too. It does you know you notice that sort of thing? But by then, it's already laundered. Uh, so yeah, uh, the, the information on this BlackBerry led to arrests in Sydney, Dubai, and Canada. And, wow. uh, it, it's, it, it, I mean, this is apparently a pretty big thing. So yeah, apparently, uh, if, if your phone, if, if somebody's phone is seized physically, uh, and data about you is on that phone, do not trust that just because the phone has full phone encryption. Even if it's a BlackBerry, and and I tell you what, uh, Apple has come up with a lot of cool features, and Android—they're uh, not even trying. But it, 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 even BlackBerry, the the highest security option out there, is is still going to be crackable. And there's not a lot of you know. The, they said that the arrests would have been more, except that for some of the more petty charges, the statute of limitations had expired. But I mean. Seriously, uh, it, it, you, the the refrain over and over again: be careful what data you put on here. You you might not be participating in an international money laundering and drug ring that that you know of. Uh, you you might not be participating willingly anyway. But even if you're not, the idea that if if somebody has information about you or or if you lose your phone. Then as long as that phone exists in somebody's drawer somewhere, someone five years from now could come out and crack the thing open and all of that information, you know, and, and then of course, you know, 
anything that was said about you five years ago is still valid for canceling or but just be careful with your data. Data does not decay. It doesn't go away. Once it's out, it's out. And it, it's saying you have nothing to hide in your data is so naive because nobody even knows what things are going to be used for in the future. And, and that might become very important later. Yeah, you're absolutely right, which is why you need to know what's on there, which is why that there was that company that was uh, busted that was selling those phones for like a thousand bucks a month because they were promising the kind of security that you're not getting from the devices you're getting right off the rack. And somebody just needs to write that software like, hey, you know what? If this file isn't accessed at least once a week, delete, 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 overwrite. And uh, well, even that doesn't help if the code's not run, like if it's been right. off in a drawer the whole time. That's true. Or, yeah. you know, and more than one, you know, a couple different uh, missed password attempts, delete, 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 overwrite. But, yeah. this, you know, people I mean, don't I think- mean, Apple, Apple has that. In fact, they had that. They the 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 secure enclave processor actually has a counter, which is is designed to prevent replay attacks. It It gives you a slightly different encryption key each time that you run it precisely to block you from from doing replay attacks in the or, uh, and, i've never tried this but bitdefender again my antivirus software of choice they do have an app for the uh, cell phones of course and they allow you i don't know if the apple ones have this feature but the android phones so if your phone is stolen or lost they will allow you if it comes on remotely it allows you to wipe the phone so that is that is a plus. I mean, I think all these operating systems should include that by default, but, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, windows sort of does if, if you use it and it generates a, some kind of blue screen that, that breaks your disc controller, then that'll wipe your drive. I mean, are you familiar? Oh, you mean, you mean to wipe your drive data when you want it to? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That you can go oh. in and go, Oh, my phone's been stolen and the cops are never going to find it. So I'm going to go in and just press a button and Bitdefender will nuke it from the inside as long as it's on and within Wi-Fi yeah. or, you know, cell signal. Uh-huh. You've got to be able to get the signal to it. And this I just thought was I, funny. There is, are a lot of really cool techniques out there for trying to protect your data once it's been created. But the most powerful technique that you have is don't create the data in the first place. Yes. And if you have to move the data around, I, I found a service. And we used, you know, we've used a few different things in the past, like we send it and that, but free temporary 10 gigabyte file hoster that allows you to send data to somebody in the form of a link. And it lasts for 48 hours. Temp Ninja, T-M-P dot Ninja. It looks like it's run by the Pirate Bay guys, which I mean, okay, you maybe question who that really is at this point, but I thought this was great because it says we're a free temporary 48 hour up to 10 gigabytes file hoster please use the contact information to the right if you have information if you want information and then it says and this was the best thing about the whole page we comply strictly with dmca takedowns but please allow a 48 hour response time <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect and i'm like genius yes i like that so send whatever you want if you trust the people at tmp.ninja, let me know how it goes. And if you were hacked or something using I, it. I, and, and you know what? I probably would trust them to hold some kind of copyrighted material. Yes. Yeah. If you're just swapping movies around, music around, 10 gigs is enough for, for doing that. Give sure. them 
give them a try in the Pirate Bay, guys. I, I'm surprised they're still around. I really am. I thought at some point that it was probably turned into just a honeypot, but it's still uh, the site's there. There's still stuff on there. I may have tested a few of the things and it seems to work. Go piracy. So, uh, a few shows ago, I plugged a service called Invidious, which is uh, a mirror. Um, they, they use the API to uh, scrape YouTube and and mirror all of the videos and then uh, or without any Google tracking or UI garbage or anything and without like that. ads, right? Yeah, oh, of course not. Um, they're shutting down. Apparently <laughs> the, the open source developer who's been running the site for three years now is burning out because the service is becoming so popular that he is not able to keep up with support requests. And every time that YouTube makes a change, he has to redevelop the thing. And um, so the service is going to continue running. Uh, there are a bunch of forks of it, which will continue working. Um, if, if you go to nvideo.us, you will find the, the blog post about that and the list of, of other instances of it where somebody has taken the software and installed it to do the same thing. Uh, this was the main instance. It is actually going to be taken down. The other instances will continue to work right up until YouTube changes anything. And then all of them will stop working unless the project can find another developer. Yeah. And well, there's a lot of uh, different choices for downloading YouTube videos. And yeah. For doing most that, of I mean, them you have to go to YouTube.com. Yeah, that's the one true. thing I like the most about NVIDIAs is the fact that I can block YouTube.com entirely at my raspberry pi uh or uh, i mean at, at my pie hole i can block youtube.com entirely and still get the video that is a plus somebody else will pop up maybe that'll be something good if somebody out there got that ability maybe you ryan bemrose maybe you maybe. can be the guy sounds like work it does seem like work so uh we'll just discount you doing it and hope that one of the other dudes named ben or dude that's named bernadette out in the audience Give Ryan Bemrose a way to get those tasty YouTube videos without the stank of YouTube on a system. If you have a, you know, any suggestions there, Ryan at grumpyoldbenz.com, Darren at grumpyoldbenz.com. We have plenty of experts and plenty of them to thank for today's show, including at the top of the list, a make good. Because on the last episode, we assumed that the 0.0033 Bitcoin donation, which was about 40 bucks now, because Bitcoin keeps going up was from our buddy csb instead it was from sir kevin of the burning river so thank you sir kevin he he agreed though that that should be the csb donation because he came up with that first and i like it because it's going to keep going up in value as long as bitcoin goes up in value or maybe it goes to zero uh, i for one totally support csb donations yes yes we do we we like oh, csb thank you M- much much thanks sir kevin and next on the list of an actual uh, that wanted to be an expert this show, Surly Mofo, a name we've seen before, coming in at double nickels on the dime, 5510. And he says, quote, thanks. Thank you for your continued insight, common sense and grumpiness. So I think I'm providing the insight and common sense and you've got the grumpiness. I think. Uh, I don't know. You you brought no shortage of grumpiness today. I know, but Fletcher I, liked that. See, I'm telling you people I, dig that. Couldn't couldn't. couldn't care less about the mlb story but you're like sitting there just rah, 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 rah. it was it, i mean it was bemrose it's the am radio angry man radio here we are at grumpy old bens it works people like it people like angry i don't know why 
but people like I, angry because because in the year 2020 people are angry that's and people true are depressed that's and and the people are getting stomped on left and right and uh in a lot of cases they don't understand why they just want the pain to stop and we here at grumpy old bens uh we don't have the power to make the pain stop or or if we do we're we're not going to because we're being paid off too much i'm not sure which i'm not going to admit but we can help but, them slay some dragons but we can certainly commiserate yes and and we are on your side it seems like a bad lawyer billboard or something like that like hey call grumpy old ben's lawyer law firm if you've been injured at work or if you've been triggered grumpy old ben's law firm we are on your side call us now speak for yourself i'm on my side you're on your own damn side we have ten dollars coming in from bernhard engelskirchert which i know i always butcher that and if there's any help with that name if bernard wants to uh, bernhard wants to uh, help me with that feel free to send me um, some help at darren at grumpyoldbens.com he is a paypal subscriber harry hamster came in with a uh, two bucks and a note that says don't read this oh wait did i trigger something now i wasn't uh, supposed to two two bucks that means harry hamster chipped in he did he chipped in which he does sometimes multiple times a week he digs the chip in, but he's a hamster. He's small. He can only carry so many coins at one time. Hamsters, little. I, I get that. Yep. And that checks. I'm, I'm <laughs> and as I said in the last show, once a month, we're going to thank the people in on Patreon. And this is our first show of August of 2020. So we want to thank our Patreones who are Brian Ganak, David Metis, Jacob Hernandez, and Steve E. We appreciate Appreciate everybody being over there. That's just another way. If you want to do a monthly subscription, Patreon lets you do that. If you don't want to use PayPal and uh, David, his show, we added his when you were gone with his daughter, Lila, I believe it is the fun fact yes. Friday show. And it's they do research. They do more research than us. Or maybe the daughter just does. She's good. That doesn't take much. <laughs> That's true. That is true. And uh, they're looking at some interesting topics one was bugs and there's like some stuff you're listening to this and going oh i mean the one on food when they were like you know how many parts um when it comes to ground beef how many animals could be in that one pound of ground beef or that one burger and it was like up to a thousand and i'm just like you know i really like burgers and this is screwing it up big time for me Uh, are you kidding me those are some tasty bugs (laughs) well not the bugs no they're saying when you're doing Uh, ground beef there's no, I mean, there's well, okay. probably bugs in the ground beef too, but let's not yeah, even just, think about that. They're, they're ground bugs. There are ground bugs in the ground get, beef. Okay. Here, here's every single time that somebody decides that they're going to try to tell me what's in my food and why I shouldn't eat it. <laughs> then I'll, I'll have to be, they'll be like, you know, did, did you know that there are pig ears in your sausage? I'm like, yes. Those are, and then I think back and I'm like, I really like the sausage. I'm like, those are some pretty damn tasty pig ears. How come I haven't been eating more pig ears in my life? That is a question because there's some stuff people just have that knee jerk reaction to. And I've tried different stuff. I mean, when they had a place up here that had the uh, fried Rocky Mountain oysters, I tried them. You know, I wasn't afraid of the, you know, if if you're unfamiliar with Rocky Mountain oysters, they're not seafood. They, uh, (laughs) if if you're unfamiliar with them, then maybe we should just let them wallow in their ignorance. It might be better. I mean, Google could be your friend at that point, or maybe it's not. Google is never your friend. (laughs) DuckDuckGo could be. Yeah. DuckDuckGo, Rocky Mountain Oysters. I mean, I've had Gator. I've had uh, the, in Ireland, I tell you, I loved 
the black pudding, which is made with blood, you know, uh, you know, the blood of a pig. And it's, you know, it's kind of like a blood sausage type thing. And uh, for some people, At they, least you think it was a pig, right? And maybe whatever it was, it tasted damn good. And I'm fine with that. So try different things, which is what we're all about on the no agenda stream. There's different types of shows on running 24 seven. And if you're listening to Grumpy Old Ben's, if you're a subscriber, we appreciate that. But if you're never on the no agenda stream, you're missing out on some fun. So just randomly, uh, just go to noagendastream.com and you can click on the little link or you can put that into your favorite audio player. And there's something going on 24 seven. The, and if you don't like something you're hearing there, it's all Ryan's fault because he's the program director. I, 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 I take no responsibility for your work. What do you take responsibility for then? I, I just told you, I take no responsibility. <laughs> take what, what are, is your hearing not working? I take zero responsibility for anything. So we appreciate everybody for supporting Grumpy Old Ben's, the grumpiest podcast in the universe. And you'll have a chance to do that again. Coming up, another show on Friday. Only two shows this week. See, we're giving you a break. Only two shows instead of three. And we, I didn't know that when our conversation with the guys from Grimerica hit their website, it was going to be episode 433. I mean, how perfect was that? Yeah, it, it hit the website, and then the very next day they put out four thirty four. So it wasn't current for very long. No, well, but they put out did. a lot of shows. They do a lot yes, of shows. Yes, that, those guys do even more shows than Hug Story. Yeah, that is the trick, though. It is consistency, and I did notice just checking into the podcast attic for Grumpy Old Ben's after it hit the feed on Grimerica. Uh, by the end of that day, I think we had ten more subscribers in podcast attic. So I think. A few people heard it and went, hey, this is pretty cool. And uh, they can go well, back to episode in, in that one. In case, w- welcome, Gray Americans. And uh, just for you, I shall try to be uh, a little bit more crazy and unhinged. Just try to be a little more Canadian, eh? Uh, I, you know what? I'm far enough north. I, 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 I mean, you maybe. keep telling me you live further north than a lot of Canadians. Is that true? I, I, live, for, I live north of most Canadians. See? Uh, because, because. Uh, more than 50% of Canadians live in, in Southern Ontario and Quebec, which is actually South of Seattle. And you've learned that here on grumpy old Ben's. And with that said, we, if you want to subscribe grumpy old if you want to donate grumpy old all of the information is there. If you want to donate PayPal, Patreon, there is a QR code for Bitcoin. There is a snail mail address for sending in whatever you want to send in. Go there, subscribe, and tell you what, I'm going to do a contest. It's not really a contest, but it's, I've noticed we don't really have a lot of reviews on like Apple Podcast, Podcast Addict. You know, I haven't noticed that. Because you don't look at any of these things. No. You're oblivious. Why would I ever go to Apple Podcasts? But it would be helpful for us to get some good reviews written about our show. So if you write a review on one of these places, and you can do it for this show, you can do it for Random Thoughts. Send us uh, just a quick note, Darren at grumpyoldbens.com on where we can see the review. We'll enter that in and we'll give away a uh, something like a Grumpy Old Ben's t-shirt, Grumpy Old Ben's mask. We can get those made up, you know, or if you just want like a $10 Amazon gift card or $10, uh, you know, Starbucks gift card, whatever you want, we'll do that. But we need some reviews. Help us out. Let us know where they are. And if we start, I'll, I'll even, I'll even give you a review template goes. These people sure are grumpy and a little unhinged, but they're experts. That is true. They may be a lot unhinged, 
but but we are experts and that is all that matters. So once that starts rolling in, maybe this would be a weekly thing, depending how many things we get in. We want to help you help us and all that. It's a great symbiotic thing. We appreciate everybody for being grumpy old Ben's experts, for listening to the show, for turning friends onto the show, and certainly for all those who come along for the live streams every time we do them, including today, our French Canadian friend, Sir Mathieu. I mean, he only got up to three podcasts. He needs more. Fletcher of Hogstory.net is in there. Try Husker. And I saw Jay Finley, the Earl Walkman in there earlier, Net Ned, Cold Acid, and all those guys. We really appreciate people coming along to fact check us live. Even my brother Bimlet was in there, although I think I drove him out by accusing him of not liking politics. (laughs) By even mentioning that he doesn't like politics, he ran. So he is one of those guys. Either that or he had to go to work. Oh, yeah. That's inconvenient as well. Some of us. Yeah, he he is he is what is known in uh, Jay Inslee parlance in as an essential worker. And we are at work right now. We're doing our job. Grumpy old and Ben. This is essential. Yes, it is. Grumpyoldbens.com is essential. Tell we a friend. Are in fact, experts. Tell a neighbor and donate. Be an expert. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I may not know what the hell is going on, but I'm still an expert. And from America's left coast, where I wield my privilege like a blunt weapon, I'm Ryan Bemrose.